Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. Good morning, Church at the Well. It's good to see all of you. I'm glad you made it safely, and uh, I'm glad uh, you're, we're all getting through this uh, Omicron surge right now as well. Um, so it's, it's really a joy um, to be able to see all of you, even though your faces are masked. It's great to see your faces. Uh, my name's Ian. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a part of the team here at Church at the Well, and I get to kick off our new series this morning, we're going to be going through, for the next eight weeks, the book, uh, it's two books, actually, the book of Thessalon- 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. And so, um, while all of our teachings on Sunday are centered around Scripture, we don't always get to go through an entire book. And it's actually been a bit since we've been able to do so because we've had uh, a lot of uh, our worship gatherings as a church community over the last couple years haven't been in a setting like this that have allowed a lot of space for kind of uh, what, what you might call expository preaching or going through a book every week. It's been very uh, conversational, and I've loved that. Um, but I'm really excited that we have the opportunity to really jump into um, Scripture together in such a Uh, a kind of a concentrated way, being able to go through a couple books together. As a church community, I feel very natural in that space. Um, I'm kind of like a a Bible nerd. I might call myself, refer to myself as a Bible nerd. And so I'm really excited. Um, But you should be really excited as well, not because all of you are Bible nerds like me, but because there's like power in the Word of God. And, And also, as you're going to see over the next eight weeks, we're going to be going, going through a book in this way, or books in this case. It can be a way of encouraging us and challenging us in some surprising ways. And we're going to be able to look at some topics that you wouldn't maybe start a series on and just choose that topic. But because Scripture addresses some issues that are sometimes um, more difficult uh, to kind of have easy conversations around, or casual conversations around as a church community, going through uh, these two letters, you're going to find in some surprising ways um, the, the power behind having some of these difficult conversations as a church community. And hopefully, um, you know, so we'll be able to dive into topics that we would not always otherwise dive into um, and explore them and see what the Word of God has to say about them. And hopefully we'll get to know the love of the Father, the gospel of Jesus, and the power of the Spirit in deeper ways as well as a church community. So, as we get started, I just wanted to give you all some background information for these two. Um, their epistles, their letters, um, written to the church in Thessalonica. And first, we'll just start with who the book is authored by. We'll see this when we read uh, chapter 1 when, when it's introduced. But it's, there's actually three authors to both of these letters. Um, You see most of the letters in the New Testament were written by Paul and kind of Paul alone. But this, uh, in the introduction to this letter, we're introduced to three authors, Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And and occasionally throughout the book, it moves from like a plural to a singular. So the book was actually probably like like literally written by likely Paul, um, but was really coming from uh, these three individuals, Paul, Silas, and Timothy. 
And one of the things we see in this letter that's unique um, to the book of, of First and Second Thessalonians is there's there's not in uh, um, neither Paul nor Silas or Timothy are, are ever addressing themselves as an apostle or, or a servant of Christ. There's not like an official title given to them, which you often see in a lot of the other letters. And to me, this is kind of symbolic for the kind of feel and the of the letter, which is really, um, you're, we're going to see that it's very much a letter of friendship, um, a friendship between uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, not only as pastors to the church in Thessalonica, but there's kind of a deep friendship between um, the Thessalonian church and Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And I think the fact that uh, there's not like a, you must address me as apostle kind of vibe here, um, that that kind of communicates this idea that there's this, um, there's this friendship. It's a letter of friendship. Uh, it was likely written in the year 49 or 50, and we got that year based on uh, a record in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 17, verses 1 through 9, and uh, some details that Paul gives in chapter 3. If you want to know those details, I can send you uh, more about where we come to that date. But written around 4950, uh, the year 4950. A little bit about Thessalonica. Uh, Thessalonica was a Greek city that was along the Mediterranean, and it was right on a primary trading route between um, Byzantium, and uh, which is in the east. East? Yes, right? In the east and um, the Adriatic ports in the west. And so because it sat along this major trade route, it meant it was a pretty influential city um, in this region, um, Byzantium is, is a modern-day Istanbul, um, just for like a geographical reference. You can pull out Google Maps and look up where Istanbul is. Um, so it's kind of between there and, and the Adriatic ports in the west. Um, and this city was fortunate to have sided with uh, a couple Roman uh, emperors, Octavius and Augustus, during uh, the Roman Civil War in the year 42. And because of this, because they sided on the winning side of that war, they were granted uh, status as a city that was, uh, they were, it was uh, officially called like a free city. Um, and basically as a free city in the Roman Empire, you're given kind of like bonus rights. And so you assured um, that your city would be loyal to the emperor. And because you were loyal to the emperor, you would receive um, imperial benefits that came with such loyalty. So... This is uh, a little bit more about the city of Thessalonica. Um, the population was a mixed population. It was primarily Greek, but because it sat along the trade route and where it was in the world, it also had um, uh, immigrants from everywhere, and including uh, many diaspora Jews. And so that kind of sets up the context for how Paul approached, uh, you know, kind of a lot of his mission, which was, um, actually beginning with going to the synagogues in the, the regional cities and teaching the gospel of Jesus there in the synagogues first. Uh, something that was unique or unlike many of the metropolitan areas in this region was, um, or, or the cultures in this region and era, was in Thessalonica, women actually held places of honor and authority um, in Thessalonian society. And you'll kind of see that flesh out a little bit throughout 
the book and you'll hear some, some, of, the th- some of the language that Paul uses hints at this, this um, fact as well. Uh, the founding of the church in Thessalonica is actually recorded in the book of Acts in chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. So if you want to spend some time and read about um, Paul, Silas, and Timothy visiting Thessalonica and um, how that church began, um, you can read that in Acts 17, uh, the first nine verses there. Uh, It says that uh, Paul taught in the synagogue for three weeks. Some have said that Paul was only in Thessalonica for three weeks. I, I think he was probably there a little bit longer. Um, that, te- that the text was just referring to the time he was actually in the synagogue um, teaching. Um, there's some other indications that Paul was probably there um, for a longer period of time based on um, how the gospel took root in Thessalonica. And as a result of Paul's stay... Uh, we read this in Acts 17, verse 4, that there, that what was the result of it? We said there was, and this is what the text says, that there was a conversion of some of the Jews and a large number of God-fearing Greeks and uh, quite a few prominent women as well. So probably hinting towards um, uh, the fact that women held places of honor and authority in Thessalonica, the fact that that was noted, um, hints at that as well. Uh, And then just a little bit of a setting and a context for this letter as well. Um, First, we see that this is a letter of thanksgiving. And so while most of Paul's letters or epistles, they begin with an opening prayer and a thanksgiving, you're going to see as we read chapter 1 that the thanksgiving, um, and you actually see it kind of throughout the first three chapters, really, um, the thanksgiving in this letter is much longer, and it's less clear when it starts and stops. So in a lot of the other epistles, you kind of see that the thanksgiving um, kind of has like a brief introduction and prayer and thanksgiving. Um, but you see this throughout the entire, through both of these entire books, um, but especially the first three chapters in First Thessalonians. And this overflowing thanksgiving, I think, is reflective of what I stated earlier about this book, which is that this is really uh, very much a letter of friendship. Uh, another setting or context for the letters is um, we, we see that much of the information in this book, um, Paul's not doesn't spend a lot of time making theological arguments. In fact, um, there are at least 11 in um, the first book of Thessalonians, there are at least 11 you already know reminders in which Paul begins his statement saying, you already know. Um, we see that throughout um, this book, and in fact, 11 times in First Thessalonians. And Paul even writes at a couple points that he even says this. He says, I have no need to write to you, but he does so anyways. And so why does he write? Well, that's what friends do. And so I think that's hints at this idea that this is like a friendship letter. But also, it, the, it, it, I think it speaks to the importance of gospel good news reminders in a community of faith. Why do we gather together as a church community? Why do we trudge out in the icy roads? Sometimes it's to hear a fresh word, but a fresh word isn't always a new word. There's a you already know, um, there's a reminder of why we gather together as a church community. And so um, we need this space where we can have opportunities to speak good news, gospel 
um, reminders to one another. Uh, some other reasons the letter was written, um, to celebrate. Uh, Paul was celebrating. He had received a report from Timothy. Paul couldn't travel back to Thessalonica, and he, had, he was anxious to know how they were doing. He felt like his time there wasn't long enough to kind of see out the work that he began there. And so he sent uh, Timothy, who was a mentor of Paul's, back, and Timothy came back with a good report for him, a good report of of the Thessalonians' faith, and he wrote this letter as a celebration of that good report. And so that's another setting of this. Um, also, we, we, we read about a suffering that was taking place. There was, um, because of their faith, the Thessalonians were experiencing suffering and persecution, and Paul wanted to, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they wanted to encourage them and provide a framework for hope and faithfulness in the midst of their suffering. Uh, and, and then lastly, the last kind of reason um, or kind of setting or context I want to bring up for why this book was written is there are a few specific issues um, that come up through the book. Um, and they were this, that uh, there are some who, in their context who were refusing to work and they were relying on the benevolence of others. Um, the, uh, the sanctity of the marriage bed is going to be addressed by Paul, and then questions surrounding the nature and the timing of Jesus' return. And so there are a few specific things um, that Paul, Silas, and Timothy are going to address um, in these books, and specifically in uh, 1 Thessalonians as well. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at the opening chapter of 1 Thessalonians, and I'm going to invite up uh, Kristen and Kevin Pounds, who are going to read uh, the chapter for us this morning. Good morning. This is 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 5. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit and deep convi conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, he rescues us from the coming wrath. Thank you. So one of the things that's obvious to me about this chapter is how God is clearly at work in the church in Thessalonica. We read that the, the Thessalonian church actually became a model for the entire church in the Macedonian region, and that Wherever Paul, Silas, Timothy, wherever they traveled, they heard about the Thessalonian church and they heard about their faith. And uh, 
there's, we're, we're spending eight weeks in these two books. You could probably preach eight sermons just on chapter one, which I won't do. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to focus our attention on verse three, which to me is kind of like a key verse um, for not only this chapter, but it's kind of a key verse um, for this entire uh, series that we're going to be uh, looking at as we look at First and Second Thessalonians. Uh, and it really characterizes the church community in Thessalonica. And this is uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy. This is, what they're, this is their thanksgiving of who they know the Thessalonian church to be. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is just like an amazing testimony the fact that the Thessalonian church was known by faith, hope, and love. And we actually see these words kind of um, connected to one another throughout the New Testament in either describing um, who the church is or who the church should be, a, a church community known by faith, love, and hope. And, uh, and while this description of the Thessalonian church is an incredible testimony, I'm going to be honest with you for a second that one of the images that comes to my mind is like this mass-produced home decor piece, like with a, a Christian or like Christian-adjacent slogans on it um, that you might get from like Home Goods or something like that, like a like a like a kind of a, a piece of wood that that looks like it's reclaimed shiplap and it's painted white and it has this black kind of cursive letters, right? Uh, these aren't cursive letters here, but uh, Google wasn't helping me out too much with trying to find what I was talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Like Christian or Christian adjacent kind of like slogans like faith, hope, and love. Um, they kind of have, it kind of has this like cheesy feel to me when I first hear it. Um, <laughs> so, but with that, I actually believe that there, there's power in the testimony that this church was known by faith, love. And hope, and I, I think there's something there for us to aspire towards as we strive um, ourselves to become a community known and formed by faith, love, and hope. Um, that there's a power behind these words, and, and we might miss it if we just kind of like sit there for just like, oh yeah, that sounds that sounds real nice. Sounds like uh, something that would go really nice next to uh, my coffee machine. Uh, but there's there's like a power behind these words. Um, and becoming, uh, becoming the type of church community who would be known by this. Now, uh, one of the keys to understanding these words, um, which you have here, is actually um, to understanding that these words are more than like niceties or Christian platitudes, is that, that these words are actually powerful, is to look at the surrounding context and actually the complete phrases connected to these words. And there are three other words connected to these three phrases, which I think are importantly, um, which are also like equally important to note. And they're the words work, uh, labor, and love. And you'll kind of see those three phrases underlined there um, on, on the first. And the first phrase we read um, that they were known for is their work produced by faith. Now, Paul uses th this word work um, in different ways throughout his writings. Sometimes he uses it to relate to like a specific ministry activity, such as preaching the gospel. 
And other times it's, it's used, used to describe good deeds done for others. Uh, whichever is meant here, it, it's not incredibly clear, likely kind of both of these meanings. But we can be sure that Paul believes work to be an evidence of faith, an evidence of the outworking of faith in the Thessalonians' lives. So later in chapter 1, we read that the type of faith that the, Th- that the Thessalonians had was a faith that was born in the midst of severe suffering. So it wasn't just this nice thing that they had to put next to the coffee machine, but that the type of faith that the Thessalonians had was the type of faith born in severe suffering. And we read even more so that they welcomed the gospel, they welcomed the message, even in the midst of severe suffering. And they received in that place a joy that came from the Holy Spirit. So if you have one of those placards at home with the word faith on it, that's cool. I'm not, my intent was not to knock you. I actually think uh, having a placard uh, that says the word faith on it can be a really incredible um, reminder. But as you look at that word, uh, may you be reminded of the power of faith that comes from Jesus, that this faith, the, the faith that comes from Jesus, the faith that we see in the, in the Thessalonian church is, doesn't always mean an absence of suffering. And it doesn't always mean that Jesus is going to evacuate you out of that suffering. But sometimes that faith is born in the midst of suffering and you receive a joy from the Spirit in spite of it, um, even in the midst of it, um, that there's faith and joy that can be produced by the work of the Spirit. To be a community then, a church community, known by faith is in some ways to be a community that displays spirit-filled grace and joy to the world around us, even in the midst of suffering. To be a community that displays a spirit-filled grace and joy to the world around, even in the midst of suffering. What if, what if to be a community known by faith looked something like that? And so uh, I, I know there are many stories that kind of represent that um, in this room today or not in this room today. Uh, over the last couple years especially, I know that there are many of, of you or, or, or of amongst us who have experienced limitations of uh, disability. And rather than letting that define you, you have reflected a faith back to us, back to one another. Um, some of, I know some of you have experienced incredible hardships or uh, in some circumstances a lot of disappointment over the course of the last year or couple years. And rather than letting those moments define you, you've let the Spirit of God produce a joy and a faith in you in the midst of that. Uh, and, and you hear with us today is a testimony to that, to that. You are our placard of faith, reminding it, reminding us of uh, the, the power of God at work in our midst. And we got to hear some amazing testimonies uh, last week uh, about God at work in the midst of our, our church community here at Church at the Well. Uh, we kind of had a, like a, t- a testimony uh, service if, if you weren't able to be here uh, we were placards of faith uh, reflecting that to one another. Uh, the second phrase, the next phrase, 
uh, we read that describes the Thessalonians is labor prompted by love. We read of their labor prompted by love. Now, this word labor uh, could be used in in a similar way to the word work. Um, and it, it has been used as a synonym to describe like good deeds, good works. Um, and it could be used in a general sense. Uh, but I actually think that using it that way or interpreting it that way is uh, too general. I think Paul is being a little bit more specific and he's hinting at some of the issues that he's going to address in more detail later in the book. So while work produced by faith, I believe, likely refers to works of like ministry or Christian service preaching the gospel and good deeds, I think labor is likely a specific reference to manual labor Um, here. This phrase, labor prompted by love, I think it's a foreshadowing of issues that are going to be addressed later in the book. And I brought up one of those ideas, the fact that some were refusing to work and relying on the generosity of others. And so what we see about the first phrase, the second phrase, the third phrase in this first book is there these characteristics of the, the church in Thessalonica, their celebrations, their celebrations of who they are. I actually think there's a little bit of like a challenge in there as well uh, to maybe those who weren't quite living up to it, right? Uh, living up to what was true of the entire um, church community and, and challenges the step more deeply into it. And so we're going to see that they're both celebrations and also um, challenges or even maybe even a correction. And in chapter two, we see that Paul is going to remind them that when Paul, Silas, and Timothy were staying in Thessalonica, that they did both kinds of works, both the preaching of the gospel and it says that they worked night and day not to be a burden while preaching the gospel. And we see later in the letter, um, Paul challenges the Thessalonians. He says, follow this model because some were refusing to work and just relying on the benevolence of others. And so, but what I'd like to say is that more important than understanding this phrase as like a foreshadowing of Paul's challenges and correction that comes later for the Thessalonians is understanding what it highlights about Paul's theology and the faith that's displayed in the Thessalonian church. For Paul, Silas, and Timothy, labor and work are not seen as separate from the life as a follower of Jesus, as if there is a a division or a separation between um, spirituality and physicality. To them, faith and love are not only displayed in things like sharing the gospel or in things you might categorize as spiritual, like prayer, but also in working with your hands and making things in flesh and blood. And I actually think that this foreshadows as well Paul's um, eschatology, which we read later in both of these letters, and, and we'll cover in some detail as well. But the eschatology we see in these letters, also throughout the New Testament, is one that insists that God is establishing his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, here on earth on earth as it is in heaven. Labor prompted by love then, to me, is an outworking of this eschatology, this insistence that what we do with our hands, uh, what we make, what we create uh, with our sweat, blood, tears, soil, dirt, matter, um, it's the insistence to me uh, that matter matters. Um, a, a, A story, and one of the ways I've been seeing 
uh, labor prompted by love in my own life over the last couple years is uh, my wife Luann and, and our two daughters have started this venture called Grace and Lilikoi. Uh, you can follow them on Instagram if you have Instagram. I know Anaya would be uh, encouraged by it. And it kind of started as a COVID quarantine hobby slash mother-daughters bonding together. And they began um, working with polymer clay and developing um, these beautiful like kind of clay pieces. And they eventually um, started selling these like clay earrings. I have uh, an example of some of those here. Aren't those cool? Um, and before you think like, man, that's all Luann. I mean, maybe that is all Luann right there. Um, I'm not sure uh, who created those specific pieces, but all three, uh, Naya 10 and Zia 4, when, you, when I look at them, I'm like, wow, that is amazing. They're incredibly talented, and they've been um, producing these works um, and selling them. But not only that, but they have taken 50% of everything they've sold, and they've donated it to uh, two different organizations. One is called Treatment Action Group, and they work in uh, research and, and lobbying and activism uh, around um, HIV, AIDS, uh, tuberculosis, and hep C, and they do like this incredible work. And also to another organization, which is local um, here in Vermont, Rock River Treatment Center. Um, they donate to that as well. Um, and they've taken this labor um, to me, but it is a labor prompted by love. It's labor that results in a moving towards an a type of faith that is a your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven kind of way. And so I think this is the type of faith that the Thessalonian um, church was displaying and being encouraged and challenged in. And I think that there's a challenge and an encouragement for our church community as well and, an, and a reminder that what we do with our hands, the ways in which we choose to labor, um, that we're invited into a labor prompted by love um, for the good of the world, that what we do with our hands, what we make, what we create, how we work. Sometimes it's physical labor. For, for Paul, it was like tent making, uh, making something, contributing to um, his community. But that's, this work can actually be an outflow of uh, reflecting the Imago Dei, the image of God, the fact that we are created in the image of a creative God. And we use that creativity to participate in the ongoing renewal, restoration, and reconciliation of the world through Jesus. Can I get an amen? Um, that is uh, an incredible encouragement and challenge to me uh, personally. Hopefully it is for you as well. Lastly, uh, we're going to look at the final phrase characterizing the Thessalonians, their endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this phrase describing uh, the Thessalonians' endurance inspired by hope, to me, is perhaps the easiest of the three to understand, so we won't spend a lot of time unpacking it. The Thessalonians were eagerly awaiting the coming of Jesus. It's possible, based on reading the rest of these two letters, that they might have been a little too eager uh, for Jesus' uh, resurrection. I was... I was thinking we might have a rapture-like service today where there's just a few of you in the room. And I was, I was like, okay, we're starting Thessalonians and everyone is raptured, but y'all showed up, so I'm glad you're here. Um, <laughs> but 
As followers of Jesus, they not only expressed work produced by faith and labor with their hands out of love for their neighbors and God's creation, but they also had a firm expectation, a firm hope that what Christ began in his life, his death, his resurrection, that the work that Jesus began would be completed at his return. And this was an amazing hope that they, they displayed for these, these early Christians, these early Thessalonian Christians, as well as, as, well as Paul, Silas, and Timothy. These words, uh, the word hope, it was not like a wishfulness about what might happen tomorrow or at some point in the future. It was a word of absolute certainty, um, secured by their belief in the resurrection. And not only their belief in the literal resurrection of Jesus, but their belief that the resurrection was at work in their lives because they were experiencing it and displaying it. I've, I, I've even heard it said once uh, that the best evidence for life after death is life before death. And we see that at work here in the Thessalonian church, that not only there was a certain belief, a certainty uh, uh, in the resurrection, but we read their testimony, actually think that's why Paul keeps bringing them back to their story. The genesis of their story was experiencing life in Jesus, even in the midst. And it's highlighted and emphasized of severe suffering. Um, and I think there's an encouragement there that we can look at this early church and be encouraged by their faith, by their endurance, um, inspired by hope and a hope that they, re they received from Jesus. Now, uh, when I close this in prayer today, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to take an opportunity to pray for those in our church community who are in a, a time of waiting um, or, or, or a time where hopeful expectation can be difficult because uh, whatever they're waiting for doesn't seem attainable. Here's some music. It's the um, anointing of the Spirit. Um, trying, the Spirit's trying to anoint my preaching with some background music, I think. Um, but we're, we're going to be praying for those in waiting, um, and specifically those in waiting who are, they're waiting for something that doesn't seem uh, attainable. Um, whether it's uh, waiting for healing or waiting for um, uh, a miracle, some, some uh, document to come in that is going to change your life. Um, so what, I'm going to invite you to pray with me for those, but also I'm going to lift you up in prayer. If you're in a space right now where you're, um, uh, we're going to pray that you have the endurance inspired by hope that we read about these, um, that the Thessalonian church had. Now, um, in many ways, our church, Church of the Well, our community, inspires to be a community of faith, love, and hope. And there are many ways in which uh, I give thanks for the work produced by faith, labor prompted by love, endurance inspired by hope that's displayed in our midst. And I also believe, just like the Thessalonians, that there's also a word to challenge and correct us as we aspire to be a community known by our faith, love, and hope. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this with a, with a benediction this morning as we wrap up chapter 1, and then, and then we'll pray. Um, but may the Holy Spirit generate in you a joy that leads to work 
produced by faith, even in the midst of suffering. As you work with your hands and labor and create, may you be reminded that you are standing on holy ground. As you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May you hear the Spirit's call to participate in the ongoing gospel work here and now. And may the resurrection of Jesus inspire you to a hopeful and certain expectation that God has not abandoned this world. And may we become a community known by our faith, love, and hope. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that as a church family, we have books like First and Second Thessalonians that can at once encourage us and confront and challenge us as well, God. And, and we thank you for the model that the church in Thessalonica was, not only to um, other churches in Macedonia in the first century, but that this church uh, is, a, is a model for us to aspire towards as we pray and welcome your spirit to shape us as we aspire to become a community known by faith, known by love, known by hope, God. God, we lift up those in our midst who are, might even categorize themselves as in the midst of severe suffering. We pray that your spirit would generate in them a faith that can only come from you. And, and we pray for those who are waiting. We pray that they would be encouraged uh, with a certainty of hopeful expectation because of your resurrection. Not only that you were raised to life, Jesus, but that the fact that you were raised to life, that as we sang this morning, that that same resurrection uh, produces a life within us. And so I pray that all of us here today, wherever we came from today, whatever we walked in here with, whether we're waiting or not waiting, what in some ways experience and welcome your resurrection life into our day, into our hearts, um, and as we step out into our weeks, uh, may we be encouraged and challenged by your spirit to aspire to be a community known by faith, known by our love, and known by hope. In Jesus' name, amen. listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com.